Black wealth matters. Black wealth is you and me being intentional. Black wealth is liberating. Black wealth is regaining our freedom. Black wealth is generational wealth. Black wealth is our quest and fight for equity. Black wealth is economic empowerment to drive, to drive, to drive the change, the change that we want to see. Black wealth matters. And on this episode of Financially Savvy Girl, we talk about black wealth. Take hold of your freedom. Take hold of your future with the financial savvy girl. Awesome. Why don't we get started? I see that we have a lot of participants. There's more in the waiting room that just signed in, so let's just add them as well. Seems to be a full house at this one. Welcome everyone to Financially Savvy Girl podcast, where you learn how to mind your money business. This episode is called Black Wealth Matter. We are so excited about this episode. Uh, this is your girl, Aki, as you know, as financially underscore savvy girl, your economic empowerment advocate, real estate investor, and money coach with a background in business law, social justice, and estate planning. I mentor and coach others to stop boring the life that they want and become intentional about mining their money business with financial intelligence. Today, guys, I sit down with my personal finance sister circle, and we are having a heart-to-heart live discussion and podcast episode as Black financial bloggers and coaches, just really just reflecting on the issue of Black wealth and see how we can collectively make a change and empower the community socially and economically for maximum um, impact. On a day-to-day, you will see that through all of our platforms, each of the panelists, we endeavor to champion financial literacy, debt payment, wealth creation. Today, we get to sit and champion Black wealth creation. I'm just going to ask everyone to mute their mic because I can still hear some echoes, so just mute your mic. So these ladies on their own platform, we each, you know, champion uh, financial literacy, debt payment, and wealth creation. Today we get to actually sit and champion black wealth creation as a solution for social economic disadvantage afflicting blacks in North America and frankly all over the world. So it's time that we actually sit down and have this frank and honest conversation. Uh, Without further ado, I want to introduce to you my co-host, and uh, if you've seen our flyers, if you know some of these ladies, you know they are all badasses. Uh, My co-host, I'm going to start with uh, Sinea. Um, I'm just going to ask you to say hi so people know who you are and they can hear you. Hello. 
So Sinea is the creator of Flynance, a debt-free travel and financial freedom platform. At age 25, guys, like 25, she is already this badass, okay? She's on track to become debt-free and double net worth this year. Uh, through Flynance, she wishes to inspire other Black millennial women to see more of the world on their own terms. So welcome, my dear. So excited to have you here. She's such a power force. And we also have Elisa, also known as At Debt Free to Travel. Where are you, my dear sis? Hey, everybody. How's it going? Happy Sunday. So she is a North Carolina native and new uh, comer to the financial savvy side of life. And it really all started for her in January 2019 when she decided to pay off her debt. She completed that goal in April 2020. Let me just repeat that. So it started in January 2019 and she completed her goal in April 2020, okay, uh, by working full time as an urban planner and part-time as a bartender, side hustling and full-time working, making sure that she's actually meeting her goals. That is absolutely amazing. So she paid a total of $25,000 over 16 months to become completely debt-free also at age 25. Elisa's financial focus is now on saving for an adult gap year, starting in October, if you know this whole border and quarantine permits us all to leave and enjoy the world, um, and uh, as well as just really fattening up her retirement account. So she desires to be financially independent and work optionally by age 40. So you can always follow her at Debt Free Travel for more information on her journey to financial freedom. And as well as Sinea, you can follow her at uh, fly.nance for her journey on to financial freedom as well. So welcome, Elisa. So happy to have you as a panelist here. And we also have Kenya Shakir. Do you guys know Kenya? Also known as Kenya.Imani on Instagram. She is a certified and trained financial coach, speaker, educator, advocate, and really just overall energy healer for black women. If you know Kenya, you kind of just know she just exudes that positive energy around her. So she primarily works with black women, but works with all marginalized population to educate, empower, and inspire them to uh, harness their personal power in their life through their finances and as well as healing. Uh, she has worked in social justice, diversity, and inclusion within higher education and in a non-for-profit sector as well. She has a master's of education in higher education administration. She also holds uh, a bachelor in sociology and is currently reclaiming her 20s through entrepreneurship. Yes, uh, radical self-love as well as care by committing herself to be of service to others. So excited to have you on. Hi everybody, happy Sunday. I'm so excited to have you all here. Awesome. And we have the lovely Miss Brittany Charles. Hi, Britt. Hi there. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> Super happy that you're here for sure. You also known her as Mrs. Fiscally Responsible. 
and she's a financial coach as well. She's a wife and she's a mom. She is the owner of uh, Fiscally Responsible Financial Coaching and Solution, helping and teaching people how to end the paycheck to paycheck cycle, become debt free and build wealth. In addition to that, as an active pers personal finance advocate with her community, Britt also shares her personal finance journey, inspiring her followers and providing personal finance tips. Her biggest financial achievement was paying off over 39,000 of debt in eight months with her husband and mastering their finances before becoming a mom. What a great thing to achieve before parenthood. Currently, she's on a mission to pay off her mortgage early while helping others transform their financial lives. Great, so happy to have you. Her and I always joke, our goals are so similar. So, so happy to have you here, my dear. Thank you. Okay, and do we also have the lovely Jeteria on? Yes, I'm here. Hi, how are you? I'm so, doing great. Thank you so much for having me. We're so happy to have you. What do you mean? Thank you for being here. So uh, let me just tell you a little bit about Jeteria. She's a financial educator and world traveler. Since her first international trip in 2014, Jeteria has made the world her classroom and adopts money cultures from around the world into her financial coaching program. Jeteria has helped millennials uh, client get out of debt, raise their credit score and increase their income. And she is also the creator of a interactive learning platform through her 2020 financial vision, Game Night which has uh, toured across Charlotte area. Jeteria has been featured at the uh, campus retreat in Los Angeles and finds your purpose sister empowerment workshop as well in Atlanta. So happy to have you here, my dear. And uh, we're just excited to get started. Are we not ladies? Yes, so excited. Okay, absolutely excited. So without further ado, I think we're just going to die. Ooh, I don't know about you, but I started my personal finance journey because I was tired, ladies, of being intelligent yet financially completely illiterate. You know, I had six-figure debt from professional schools, line of credit, car loans, and credit card debt, graduated very early, and became a professional in my career by the age of 24. I was making good money, yet I had no money management skills whatsoever and was completely drowning in debt. Tried to seek help at the bank and instead they converted my line of credit into a loan. Yeah, anyways, you all know what that means in terms of interest and accruing. So, and after that, I tried to seek help from a financial advisor and uh, the advice that I got was to pay off, like empty my savings account and pay off my car, although I had credit card debt. Anyways, needless to say, with you know being educated but being completely financially uneducated and uh, a plethora of bad advices, I decided to just really take matters into my own hand and uh, learn everything that I could about personal finance and uh, you know become. Uh, an active participant in my personal finance life and in the driving seat of it and telling others what I wanted my money to do for me. So that is why I had started Financially Savvy Girl and 
you know, even before that, when it became really intentional, I was able to pay off uh, over all of the six-figure debt. And what I really loved about that journey was I was able to pay $68,000 worth of it in less than three years. That's just what financial literacy do for you. And uh, in addition to that, just some discipline and some good money management. So after uh, that, I decided to empower other people. And my husband and I are real estate investors and we do this. So my question to you, ladies, why is it that you started your personal finance journey? Why don't we just start with you, uh, Sania? So hi, everyone. This is Sania from Flynance. Um, I really created Flynance because I am a a lover of travel. Um, I'm a lover of seeing places. I, I feel really blessed to have been able to visit 27 countries around the world. Um, but what I realized in a lot of the travel bloggers that I followed, almost none of them spoke about money or spoke about the real cost of travel. So I really felt like there was a gap missing in terms of encouraging more people to travel, but also showing people that you can do it while being financially sound and savvy. At the same time, I was also going through my own uh, debt journey. Um, I talk about this on my blog and on my Instagram, uh, but as a result of just poor money management um, and living beyond my means, um, I put myself into over $10,000 in consumer debt, um, and as well as uh, put myself into student loan debt that I actually didn't even need. Um, I graduated from undergrad with no student loans and then received a full ride um, to get my master's degree, but still uh, found myself in debt uh, to, to just survive. So uh, being in this space where I'm like, I love to travel. People are asking me all the time, how do you afford to travel? And at the same time feeling like, I want a space to talk about what I'm going through as a young black woman um, who wants to normalize being out of debt, right? And building wealth. Uh, finance was really my, my answer to all of those questions. So I have been just so overwhelmed with um, how the community around finance has grown. It's allowed me to connect with all of these amazing women and many of you who are on the line. So that's just a little bit about how I got started. I think I'm passing it over to Kenya. Hey everybody, I'm Kenya from Kenya Imani. Um, so essentially, I uh, had a quarter life crisis is like I, what I like to call it. And I realized I really didn't like my job. I wasn't it wasn't passionful for me anymore like it used to be. And I was like, similar to Sanea, I want to go travel. I'm going to go travel the world. Um, and similar to um, Eliza, I want to travel the world for an elongated amount of time. However, living, living above my means, I kind of had a stint of unemployment and just spending. I moved a couple of times. I ended up with about $15,000 in consumer debt. Um, I probably also took some student loans that I didn't need. Um, and so really I started January of this year, the, right, the day before my birthday saying, I'm finally getting out of consumer credit card debt. I've been saying that for two years, but really I was ready to put some action behind my words. And by the end of next month, I will be out of consumer credit card debt. Yeah. About it. Um, and, and actually moving in August out of the country. So I really started this to hold myself accountable for my own debt-free journey. Yes, I'm a January baby, uh, January 5th. Um, and I started this for accountability. And then it was, I was, I saw that this is a way that I can empower people and help people. Um, like my bio said, I do work in social justice education uh, for college students. And so this is a great opportunity to talk about the 
ties between social justice and economics and personal finance. Um, and it's just been an amazing journey being able to coach clients and let them see, you know, that there's a wider world out there. We just kind of take matters into our own hands with our own money. And I'm passing it over to Eliza. Hey, everybody. Eliza here with Debt Free to Travel. Um, and I kind of have similar stories to Kenya and Mia, but really, I just really hated the idea of owning, owing anyone anything. Um, so in uh, November of 2018, I went on a month-long solo trip to Thailand and had an amazing time. It was really transformative, and it just kind of put in perspective of what I wanted to do in life, which was have a cultural life experience every single day. Um, and so in January 2019, I put it on my bucket list that I was going to pay off my debt. And that over 16 months of working, I just kind of used my profile or my um, debt free to travel to accountability, also to like tell people things I was learning because I was learning things that I thought I knew, I didn't know. Like before this, I didn't know what APR stood for, things of that sort. And I was like, as I'm learning, I'm pretty sure there's other 24 or 25. Um, even older um, black individuals that don't know it. So I just continued on with that. And it's kind of morphed now into this great personal finance diary where I get people that are cheering me along as well as I learned so much from others. Um, so I've used this profile and this platform, I think, really just to stay accountable and to meet others that are also on this journey because I want people to know it is possible. Um, I think that's the biggest thing is giving a face to show it's possible and it can happen for anyone and anyone can do it. So that's kind of how I ended up where I am, debt free to travel. I also am hoping to move out of the country in October um, for a year, maybe longer, depending upon how things go. But if you follow along, you'll be able to see things in real time. So um, I'm gonna now pass it off to Jeteria. Hey everyone, um, so I'm Jeteria and I am the creator of Debt Free Travel Journey. And my journey started when in 2017, I quit my job and I moved abroad to South Africa and I traveled there and it was an amazing experience. Um, and then when I came back, I had a plan to move to Asia, but that didn't happen because I just realized that I needed to pay off my debt if I really wanted travel to be my lifestyle, that if I paid off my debt, that would afford me to travel more, to travel longer, uh, to travel to other places. So I really decided to dive, you know, head first into my debt-free journey to help me to be able to travel. So travel inspired my debt-free journey. And through that experience, I became a financial coach to also help other high-achieving women um, really build a financial foundation so they can travel as well while also building wealth because I didn't just want to be a traveler that um, traveled and, and was broke. I didn't want to be a broke traveler. I wanted to also have investment. I didn't want to work. Um, so debt-free travel journey is the experience of using travel to motivate you to get out of debt and also build wealth. Love it. What about you, Britt? Hi there. So I am Britt, Mrs. Fiscally Responsible. I actually always been passionate about personal finances. Okay. <laughs> So I've always been passionate about personal finance, um, and in early 2018, I found myself, I was married at about two years into our, our marriage, and I found us really just being in a cycle in regards to making great money, having a dual income, but really just in this cycle of continue to not having leftover money at the end of the month, so to speak. 
So just being sick and tired, I decided to really be intentional, start setting uh, smart financial goals, really start sharing my journey um, on Instagram and really just documenting the process along the way in regards to um, becoming debt free. With that, you know, it was definitely a matter of that elevated my passion a lot more to really just strive to do as much as possible to really set our goals um, and to really just establish where do we want to be at future wise financially overall. Um, so with that journey, I was also able to develop a passion to help others where I, I really felt the need that there was a gap in regards to uh, so many people that look just like me that really just kind of ch had challenges they were faced with in regards to also living a fiscally responsible life and um, really just hitting their financial goals overall. And that's where I was able to uh, develop the uh, my financial coaching journey to be able to help others transform their financial lives as well. Absolutely love it. You know, uh, it seems like we all have so much in common and that's the beauty of it. You know, when you start talking about money, you realize that a lot of the goals that you have and a lot of even the anxiety that you have surrounding money, um, you know, someone else is sharing it. It's the only problem is it's always been, and it's especially in various community, ours being one of them being such a taboo. So just hearing you guys saying why you even started on this journey, I, I see myself so much in a lot of your experience of the travel and wanting to be debt free and, and all of that. So it's beautiful to see uh, sisters on this journey and for us to support each other on this journey of uh, generational wealth creation. So, um, and just for everyone here, I know this is a panel about black wealth mattering and it's important for you to even understand what is the journey of you know the panelists you know why are they even uh financial bloggers why are they even financial coaches what you know drove them to wanting to help others it starts from somewhere so understanding their genesis you know really helps you see yourself in the journey so that you can be empowered to see that you know what the tunnel is not so far and you can really reach you know whatever it is your goal is with just some you know, financial intentional um, goal settings and just really some hard work and just being resilient and, make, and wanting to make some small sacrifices. So that's why we just wanted to start even with that alone. Now, without further ado, you know, um, with everything going on in the world, you know, there's a health pandemic, COVID-19, there's racial pandemic with the anti-Black uh, overt and covert racism. I wanted to have this panel discussion because I fundamentally believe that economic empowerment drive change. I really, really, truly do. You know, I've been a social justice advocate for many years uh, with a background with a, I'm, a, I'm a lawyer in you know by trade, so know and understand the value um, of that. And money talks, and um, when a community is economically empowered, they no longer come to the table where decisions are made and simply ask for change. You know, they demand change and policy change, political change, and they have what we call bargaining power to actually drive the change that they want to see, you know, whether it be through lobbyism or whatever it may be, but they have bargaining power. So now you get your seat at the table 
and you're not just asking for things, but you're demanding. And when things are not given, you have the bargaining uh, chip on the table that you can remove from the table. And when you have such power and authority, then guess what? That's when changes, you know, you, your voice doesn't just um, echo, it is heard loud and clear. So uh, as a black community, as can, having consumer power that we have, like none other, to be perfectly honest, we can really leverage that and go where we can be celebrated as opposed to going where we are tolerated and we can create and support black owned businesses. So uh, my question to you, lady, is with all that is going on out there right now in the world and post George Floyd's murder, and frankly, it's not the first, you know, but at least I think uh, the conversation is lasting more than just a moment. You know, there's a movement going on. Uh, why is Black wealth an important topic to address as part of this movement? I think the first person, Kenya, you can answer this first. Yeah, I'll go ahead and start. So I think what I realized in starting my own debt free journey is that there, there, and I know as a social justice educator that there are systems in place here that were not made for Black people and they are not made for low income, even the middle class folks. And so to talk about black wealth now is to talk about our, honestly, our liberation and our economic power. And Aki, you talked about a bargaining chip. And I think in my coaching and my, my, my platform, I really see it as, okay, well, if you're not gonna do it, then I'm gonna do it. If you're not gonna support, you know, this or Black Lives Matter as an organization in itself, as a black person, I now have the funds to do that and I'm gonna do it. And so even just as a, a person, and I see these organizations that need money, they need supplies for marketing to help their volunteers, to help their organizers. It's like this, this black money, this black wealth can go towards that for that community liberation, that community um, social justice. And also, I think that a lot of what we've seen, especially in this new civil rights movement, it's, um, and even with the pandemic, it's a lot of low income communities, especially black communities, because that's what these systems have made us to be, low-income Black communities sometimes, um, is that we do need the economic power to fight back against the pretty much the weapons that have been formed against us in the form of policy, in the form of laws, pipelines, and things like that. So it's, it's, it's all connected right now. Um, and this is not to say that, you know, as soon as you hit a positive net worth or even a six-figure net worth, or get some commas in your bank account that you're not gonna face racism, discrimination, and prejudice, and people are not gonna give you what you want, but it's just to kind of take that power by the way of your money to make a difference in our communities, in our families, our generations, and things like that. Um, and I'll pass it over to Britt. Hi there. So black wealth is extremely important. We're behind due to an, due to an array of issues. It's very much embedded, it's systematic, is systemic overall so it's very important because we have such economic power our buying power alone is over a trillion dollars so it's just a matter of really just making that shift in regards to knowing that we do have the potential knowing that we have the power to make the shift and really just kind of um just understanding that alone and being confident that uh you know, if you're making a, a good salary, if you're making a salary alone, just really just focusing on, okay, a matter of building wealth from there. 
you know, shifting from that um, spend, spend, spend attitude for sure. And really just being able to support people that look like us is very important. FUBU, for us, by us. So I think in this current um, climate, you know, me, myself, I definitely consciously started thinking, okay, I want to make sure my dollars are going towards my community. I'm making sure that I make small adjustments, whether or not it'll be supporting um, a restaurant that, you know, is a part of my community in itself. But the biggest thing is really understanding we have all the power possible. So when I do, um, you know, see that number in regards to our spending power, our buying power, just understanding our power alone in regards to um, really just adjusting that to really focus on building wealth for, with that. And this is, goes to Sinea. <laughs> Yeah, hi everyone. I wanna echo everything that our, my lovely panelists have said. Um, for me, black wealth is important that we address now because I feel it is our duty, right? Um, when I think about myself as someone who is a, a very young millennial, I'm probably even on the cusp of Gen Z, um, I really see myself and my peers being among the first of black Americans in our generation to have access and opportunity to build wealth. Um, I, I put a post on my Instagram that a lot of people uh, resonate with a lot of people, but um, I said that I'm only five generations removed from slavery, right? Um, I literally called my grandmother before I put that post out there and was just like, does this sound about right? And she was like, yeah, that's about right. Like my great, great grandmother would have been born enslaved. So when you think about the, the legacies and the histories that my lovely panelists have already addressed, um, I think it is our duty now to, to be in this hyper-digital age, this age of information, and to finally start to shift our mindsets away from thinking, oh, well, we weren't taught these things, therefore we have no duty to educate ourselves and move forward, right? I really see it as myself, as, as one of the youngest women in my family, I, th I see it as my duty to not only empower myself, but empower the Black women coming after me, my nieces, my future children, to show them that it is possible to, to shift these, these paradigms, right? And if it's not us, then who? So I'm gonna pass this over to Liza. Yes, ladies, I am getting inspired, <laughs> um, but I will start. I think Black Wealth is incredibly important because I think what's really, I'm gonna focus a little bit more on financial literacy. The time in which we were financially ignorant created a dependency. So because of that, we have different dependencies on different systems. We have different dependencies maybe on our families. It's hard to get a little bit of head because you might have to loan things down to a family member, things of that sort. So I think gaining financial literacy further gives us more independence. And I don't know about anybody else, but when I am independent, I have so much pride. I am like, I feel like the, I feel like a boss when I can do things for myself and for my family. So I think a big part of why Black Wealth is so important right now is because we're gaining that independence back. We're taking away the dependency upon existing systems, which we were forced to depend upon, um, which we were forced into different um, neighborhoods and communities that didn't have those systems readily available. Um, so I think it's very important for that reason. I think that financial independence is a form of protest. Black Wealth is our greatest form of resistance. And I think that's why it's so important right now for us to get in, plug in, and to share our resources and knowledge, which I'm so grateful to be around people that do that on a daily basis, that are young, Black, young, beautiful Black women who are doing that for our communities. So I think we are well on the way to greatness, um, but a big part of that is going to come from gaining more knowledge and more being more financially cognizant and more fiscally responsible. 
I'm going to pass it over to Jeteria. So I think it's important because we're realizing that the pandemic is affecting Black people more as well as the police brutality. So with that, we're realizing that money literally affects so many things that we do from the schools we go to, the food that we eat, the healthcare that we get, so many things. So I think now we are really like, okay, what can we do as Black people to protect us, to not let the system win, and to really when it comes to money. So I think that's why Black wealth is really coming to the forefront right now. Absolutely love it. So just a little summary, like this, these are such good nuggets. Like, so essentially I spoke about bargaining chip and bargaining power and uh, Kenya said, hey, you know what? Like, let's create our own. And then you have, uh, uh, I believe it's Brit who said, you know, regain power. And then you have Sinea who's like, you know what? It's actually our duty in this age of information uh, it's our duty to to have black wealth and it's our duty to be empowered. And then, you know, you also have Elisa who spoke about financial uh, illiteracy, in essence, is dependency. And with having financial uh, literacy, we have regained our independence. And at this point, we need to move forward to create wealth. So that's absolutely wonderful. And then you, you also have uh, Jeteria who spoke about you know, the m money affects every area of our lives and it, and it does. So, you know, to answer the question of why is, you know, black wealth an important topic in the conversation surrounding social justice and anti-black racism, it's because frankly, it affects every area, including that. And, you know, we, we need to be uh, empowered to make the changes and not wait for somebody else to make the change that we want to see. So that's absolutely wonderful, ladies. And uh, what I love about this roundtable discussion, uh, this group, is that we're all Black women impacting the personal finance world within our own platform. Uh, part of um, part of uh, why I started at Financially Underscore Savvy Girl is because I did not know a lot of Black women doing this, and none in Canada, to be perfectly honest. And I'm a firm believer in the power of representation and the need to have our experiences and our voice out there in the financial independence and retirement early movement, you know, because some of us are first generation wealth builders, you know, come from background where money was not discussed at the dinner table. And culturally speaking, uh, was a taboo, or at least it's seen as a taboo for some reason or another. So, um, you know, we didn't have conversations at the dinner tables to, uh, pertaining to money. So while there's a lot of people in the FAR movement uh, who had the advantage of having, you know, their parents teach them about good money management and their great parents and having inheritance, a lot of us don't have that. And it's not necessarily for lack of desire, but it's also from lack of knowledge from their parts as well. So uh, as first time generational wealth builders, um, you know, having someone who looks like me discuss freely money, success and failure uh, is really important. So I didn't see it. So I became that person so that I can be that person for someone else. And I think a lot of you ladies, it's probably the case as well. So we created platforms so that people who look like us could see success stories and see 
uh, themselves through us. So why do you think that our voice as Black um, women and Black people, uh, particularly women, since we're all women, in the fire movement and debt-free community is needed to amplify the movement of Black wealth? Why do you think that is? I believe it's on me. <laughs> so I am, first and foremost, I am a first-generational uh, wealth builder. So in regards to our voice is extremely needed, our journey's first-generational wealth builder. And I think it is extremely important for um, us to share our journeys. Our, our journeys are so much different um, and our uh, upbringings are so much different. So it's extremely important because representation matters. And I felt I'm always driven by that. And um, as I go ahead and I share everything that I do share on my, on my Instagram page and everything like that, and really being transparent with my journey, because you know, I, I want to be able to represent for my people. And that's, that goes a long way for sure. So it's, it's definitely a matter of representation and really showing um, that our journey is so much different than other groups and everything like that. And it goes to just Harriet. We can hear you. Yeah, I definitely believe the conversation um is important as black women um like Britt mentioned a lot of us are first generation wealth builders first generation college graduates first generation high income earners if that's 50k or 100k so we are educated women who sometimes might not have learned the financial education that we uh, should have learned. So it makes us kind of stand back a little bit and be like, okay, I make X amount of money. I should be able to pay my bills, to save. I should know how to invest. We think a number um, equates to a certain education when it comes to finances, and it doesn't. We have to be taught this. Um, we need to learn these things, um, if that's through getting a coach or self-help. So I think it's very important that we use our voices, um, because when you use your voice, it really shows transparency, and it allows other people to use your experience to come, you know, closer to you, so you can teach them. You both can learn from each other, and that builds a community. That's really what we need. So being able to speak up and use your voice can help build a community. Absolutely love it. Sinea, what do you think? Yeah, I think for me, our voices are so important because, let's be honest, the hashtag debt-free community is extremely whitewashed. I get so, you know, I, I think, and, and some Sometimes when I find accounts, I'm just like, whoa, this story is amazing. But when you peel the pieces back, I think a lot of our peers who are debt-free and white have benefited from a level of privilege that none of us really understand or know, right? Like there are a few accounts that I love to follow. One of them, her, her first 100K, I think she does a great job in creating a platform. But let's be honest, I think it's a different story when you talk about someone who has had a family who's been able to give them financial resources, to be able to go to college for free, to be able to start a business as soon as they come out of college. I can't tell you the number of hashtag debt-free community accounts that I follow where people got loans to buy their first homes, when people had family give them, um, you know, like financial equity, right? Um, to, to not have to go through all these loops and hurdles that I think we, especially as black women have to face, right? I think, and then when you add on the fact that, you know, I also been speaking to the travel industry, right? 
Think about how Black Travel Alliance just recently came out of this need that's like, whoa, a lot of these travel brands, like y'all don't include us. You don't put us at the table. But now that there's this shift and corporations want to start feeling like they, they do acknowledge the role that we as Black individuals play in their profit and growth, now there's all of these questions around, well, well, how many travel con black content creators are you really reaching out to, right? So I think it is so important for us as black women to bring an intersectional lens to all of these spaces that we inhabit, right? When it comes to wealth building, when it comes to normalizing becoming debt free, when it comes to traveling freely. I know so many of you have probably seen these posts where a lot of us are saying, okay, our white peers don't have to think about, can I travel to XYZ country as a black person and not experience racism, right? Like 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 globally colonialization and anti-blackness impacts the way that we navigate all of these spaces not even just in the us and in canada but globally right so i think it is so important for for us to lend our voices and ensure that these conversations are more nuanced so i am passing it over to liza <laughs> hey um so I will say that I think it's really important for us to be involved in the conversations in the debt-free community and the FIRE, the Financial Independence Retire Early community, because I do everything based upon my work lens as an urban planner and a community engagement person. And a lot of times with these profiles, they have amazing information, like Sunia was saying, like, um, but I do think they assume everyone has this knowledge and background. So when I, in my work, we always start off every meeting with definitions and terms. And I think that's what black women are bringing to the personal finance community. We're bringing the idea that everyone is coming in at this level and we're bringing everybody up. If you're already like a level 10, that's great. We are proud, cheery. Um, but right now we're gonna start at level one. So everyone comes up together. We have that concept of pulling up as we climb where I feel like a lot of our white peers in the financial industry and, or the finance industry um, think of the meet me where I am. Um, and I think that's why we're so important to be in the fire and as well as the debt-free community. I also think it's just important for us to be there to once again show that it's possible. Um, before this, I think a lot of people assumed that these things weren't things that we could obtain as Black people. We couldn't obtain traveling, taking off work, saying, screw this yeah. job, I'm going to take a year off. We, because we didn't see that visually, we thought we could not obtain that. So I think it's very important to show that. And I think that by us showing that, we are showing that financial independence creates options. So you can do whatever you want, you can be whoever you want. And I feel like our white peers are already have that privilege to do that. So we're showing that it's possible. No matter who you are, where you are, we're showing that it's possible. Whereas they are already, it's already assumed. If you're white and you got a little bit of change or your parents have donated a little bit of change, it's already assumed that you can be anybody that you want to be. But we're showing you actually can do it. And here's the steps from one to Z to B. Twelve. We're showing all of that. So I'm going to pass it over now to I believe Jeteria. Yes, I think it's Kenya now. Yeah, Kenya. Sorry. <laughs> I agree a thousand hundred percent. I so I think being a black woman and having my voice in the debt free the fire movement space is all about representation, as my lovely other co-hosts have talked about. But also, not only did I find that personal finance was whitewashed, but it was unrelatable. Like, uh, even even just the knowledge on Google, I was like, okay, well, how does this relate to my situation? Because I'm not a high earner. So I'm also trying to show people, you don't have to make six figures to become debt free, you know, in five months, seven months, a year. Um, I am a first generation college student and I do have student loans. So what does that look like to be able to implement the information that 
you know, we all have access to, but sometimes we just do not understand because it has never been related in our kind of perspective. So that's really why I like got out there very proudly, like I'm a black woman, this is what I go through, this is how I use personal finance. And also, I mean, studies show black women are the hardest working population in America. Where in terms of new businesses, black women, highest educational attainment is black women. And so we may not be high earners, but I know that we are high achievers and we're overachievers and perfectionists, which that's a whole nother conversation about self-care. Um, and so it's like, I need, I need someone, anyone, whether that's younger than me or even older than me to see that whatever age, whatever occupation, there's a black woman doing this. And if you, if I can do it, you can do it because black women can do anything. You know, everyone's talking about, we have the, um, the period. Period. We have the Eve gene. So it's like, it starts here. And I think that in our society, women teach younger generations a lot of things. And so I just, we have to be out there. Um, and I want everyone to just gain this understanding, to gain this light, to have these options, this freedom, whatever you look like, but just know as a black woman, you can do it. The nuances, what Eliza said, like you can do anything. I 100,000% agree. Absolutely. Love it. And I think Kenya, you, you hit on something, you know, when you said we are high achievers, we have, you know, the highest uh, level of education. But I think there's a problem that we are not seen or it's, it doesn't articulate into high earning. And that's part of the issue with the system as being completely flawed. How can you be high achiever? How can you have the highest level of education or amount of education on average, yet be you know, low income earner when you compare to your, your mate of um, you know, a different sex of a different race? Like that makes no sense, right? So that's part of the problem everybody said and you know the beauty about this journey and having not just a black woman on in the journey but having different type of black women in the journey is that we represent even just us alone here the the five of us we represent different you know levels uh and a black woman who's looking at us who is either a high earner can be like okay i can talk to you and understand how the hell am i high earner but i'm still living paycheck to paycheck you know what I mean? Because that was my story. I was a high earner, but living paycheck to paycheck, right? And we always talk about it's not how much you make, you know, it's what you spend, right? Or, you know, another Black woman can say, okay, I don't make as much, so I cannot pay my debt as fast. So, you know, how can I structure? And then they can speak to someone else, you know, and Canada can say, hey, I've done this. And Sinead can say, hey, you know what? You don't have to wait until you're 30. Sinead and uh, Lisa will be like, hey, no we've done it, we're doing it, and we're just in our, you know, mid-20s, right? And Britt can come in here, and Jeteria can come in here and give you some wisdom as well, you know. So the beauty of diversity within, you know, the uh, debt-free community and even different voices of our community is that it really just represents a, a broader picture so that everyone who's watching can actually find themselves somewhere in there and fit in. So absolutely love it. Um, so ladies, truth be told, let's just define black wealth. You know, let's just, let's talk about black wealth. How do you define it? I recently, uh, Sinea, 
uh, had us all, you know, she really, and, uh, you know, I'm a big believer in vision board and I realized I had a vision board for everything except for my finance. So when you brought it up, I was like, wait a minute, I have goals and check for that, but I don't have a vision board for my financial, you know, goals makes no sense. So love the movement. Can you just briefly all talk about, you know, what's on your vision board and, and, uh, what does that, you know, mean as far as black wealth is concerned and how you define it? Why don't you go first since you started this movement for us? Yes, absolutely. Happy to. So for me, um, black wealth is all about, uh, really claiming the abundance that we all deserve. Um, and I think there's so much power to seeing uh, Black people, Black women, Black queer folk, um, young Black people all claim like what, what we want to achieve and what we desire. Um, and just not also letting the shame of past money mistakes keep us from declaring uh, what it is that we truly uh, do deserve. Um, so I'm trying to, so this is my vision board. Um, for me, I, I have to center uh, my desire to take an, an adult gap year like what Liza is doing. Um, for me, I keep that center. That is one of my big money goals. Um, but for me, my, my financial vision board is, is black and bougie, as I like to say, okay? Like, yes, I can still be for my community and still say, I want to create asset producing. Um, I want to create income producing assets to be able to uh, buy myself that Chanel bag one day, that jumbo flat bag, okay? Um, I want to claim financial freedom. I wanna claim being work optional. Um, I, I hope Kenya talks more about this, but something that she put in my mind is this idea that black wealth enables black women to rest and baby, okay? Like, I, I wanna make sure y'all all understand that, right? Like, we can talk about how black women are high achievers. We can also talk about how black women are some of the most overworked individuals in our society right so Man. what it means to claim rest and what it means to claim that we no longer will have our bodies just be sites of labor and that we can also take back what was taken from the women that and that came before us right our foremothers who who were enslaved um and and forced to work um but yeah so there's so many things on my vision board i just feel like i went off with it i was like i'm claiming real estate investing i'm claiming buying back the block i'm from baltimore so that's important to me i'm claiming hundreds i'm claiming commas llc's deed stocks giving back treating myself um and so i was so inspired to see so many other black women join on that call um so yeah that that for me is what black wealth means to me and i'm gonna pass it over to brit yeah my financial vision board is totally about options for me and my life um making sure that i think it was very it was awesome that Sanea, you know challenged us with this activity and this exercise because the power of manifestation is super real um so just visually outlining specifically what I want to achieve financially. At the center, you can see I have my family. I am um, a mom to Ayla. I am a bonus mom to Harmony. I have my husband there, of course. And it's all about really establishing that generational wealth for our family and really passing it down to that next generation for sure. Being able to provide to them what we didn't have, so to speak, in regards to um you know, helping them being able to have a fund for the for them to purchase their first home, being able to have a fund to help them with their wedding expenses, being able to fund their college expenses. Those are three big categories that was very significant for me where, I, you know, I worked through a whole different 
process just because I didn't have that um, established for me for an array of, of reasons, of course. But um, if you look at cash flow, really, you know, establishing ourselves to make sure, you know, we don't go back into debt because working ourselves out of debt meant a lot for us. Um, so really being responsible to really cash flow certain things, really um, being able to uh, invest and develop and establish multiple streams of income. As a um, financial coach I, coach, I really want to strive for my business to grow and really sustain success in regards to hopefully one day, you know, I could re retire from my nine to five and really just focus on the passionate job of financial coaching that I am passionate about. Um, being able to reach that millionaire net worth by 40 was very important for us and really um, establishing that and claiming that, so to speak. We are, my husband is Haitian, I am half Chinese, so really being able to tie back to our roots there and being able to travel, get back, give back, and really just have those ties. I'm all about splurging a little. I, I, I affirm that I live a balanced lifestyle, so I like great things. I like designer bags. I like designer shoes. I like nice cars. So really being able to, being able to purchase the car that I want. Um, you'll notice we have Rolexes on there just because that's something my husband and I want to have matching Rolexes for our 10th year anniversary. So really just making sure that like what we want, we get. And more or less, definitely giving back. We're generous people as it is. So we strive to give back as much as we can. But I can't wait for the day where I can give back and I don't even have to think about it. So, oh, wow. and then lastly our mortgage free like i'm so fired up to pay off my mortgage right now so really just affirming that claiming that that we will be mortgage free in 2024 and we're we're just gonna you know reach every financial goal that we that we want to more or less so that's exactly my financial um my financial vision board and it's it's truly about really inspiring others too when it comes down to black wealth to help everyone else establish options for themselves because that's what it's really about love i'll it. pass it on to eliza <laughs> i love seeing these vision boards every single time <laughs> mine is a, a pretty simple vision board um but i really aspire to um i have the fire sign there i'm not necessarily on the fire train of financial independence retire early but I would love to be financially independent and work optional. Um, I would love to, I recently posted a day in the life about what financial fire me would look like. And for me, it's giving back. I work in urban planning, which is a field that has historically been very disproportionately um, uh, made disadvantaged communities for black people. So I would love to be able to do more pro bono work in urban planning, um, helping design community parks, urban gardens in the communities that I know need them the most. Um, I would also love to have a farm. I'm really, um, I, I don't know if anyone here has read the autobiography of Malcolm X, but a big part of the book is he started out on a farm and his family had that independence. So before his father was killed unjustly and before that, he never knew what credit was. His family grew the food they ate. They hunted the animals they wanted wow. to eat. All of that is really important to me and really inspiring to me. So I want to definitely have a farm. I want to buy back the block. Um, I think as a urban, once again, as an urban planner, my mindset on real estate investment, I currently right now, my job is a little morally hard for me because I work in new construction, which is commonly gentrification. Um, so that's really tough. Mm -hmm. 
I want to, if once I reach financial freedom, be able to no longer have to do that work and um, invest back into the communities, buy back the block, and then make sure that those are affordable homes as well as something that I can also make a life off on. Um, and I might, if you saw it a little bit earlier, um, I can show my uh, family, but I did have my family up there and um, my family is going to be uh, the big part of what I um, love the most about my vision board. I love my family. I got to give them a little shout out. Um, that is my beautiful family there. For <laughs> yes. birthday. So all of those individuals there are really, really important to me and a big part of my vision board. And you can hear my niece cheering me on. Um, <laughs> um, instilling that generational wealth for all those generations of people. And that's not even everybody. So yes, there are a lot of people that I want to encourage and I want to instill wealth in. Um, so my vision board is a little simple, but um, it is definitely something that I'm hoping to manifest and look at every single day. Love and it. Yeah. Me, I think that's me. It's me. It's me. It is you. Um, I, oh yeah, that's my board. You have my board. <laughs> so what, what is black wealth to me? Uh, like Sanaya said, I believe that black wealth is all about rest. We have worked, our, our ancestors have worked to the bone. And so I want my money to afford me to rest. And so just like Eliza was saying, I don't necessarily want to retire early, but I do want to be work optional. I want to say that I'm only working 10 hours a week and that's okay, or two hours a day or not working at all. And I do believe that black wealth is protest. It's our liberation. It gives us options, freedom, and self-care. And pretty much with everything that I do, it's about living the life that we've only been able to imagine for ourselves prior to. Now let's make that a thing. Like, so I always say that create the life that we've always deserved and use money as a tool and not a barrier. So on my board, I, you know, I'll start with, so, you know, I'm leaving my nine to five. I'm a full-time financial coach, no debt whatsoever. That's student loan debt, consumer debt, all of that. Um, I want to get a new, well, I just got a new MacBook and, and some AirPods. Um, and I want to increase, I want to increase the pay of my virtual assistant. So my virtual assistant is a black woman and I want to be able to say, hey, I want to be, I can afford to pay you even more. You don't have to go work a nine to five just like me, like I was. So let me pay you uh, more. I want to pay off my grandma's house just because why not? Talking about them deeds, um, investment properties. I don't personally want to buy a house for myself, but I do know a lot of opportunities to invest in property and I'm down for that traveling the world, a one-year emergency fund, gifting to others. So I want to be able, kind of what Britt said, like, if anyone needs something, they want something, it's not even a thought. It's like, okay, here you go. Just transfer some money. That's done. Opening my Vanguard brokerage account soon. I cannot wait. I think Jeteria has opened hers recently. Um, and getting, staying in a dream home, um, and I ha like I said, have time for rest and other personal ventures. So I'm not just a workhorse. I have hobbies, you know, I have other passions besides just personal finance. And I want to do that. And then retirement accounts to the max every year. I'm trying to be maxed out, maxed out, flowed out, all of it. <laughs> okay, so is it Jeteria now? Yes, yes, it's Jeteria now. There you go, sis. It's all yours. Pretty. Okay, so my vision board, um, building wealth is a simple plan, but it won't be easy. So I wanted to keep my vision board simple. Um, 
So the number one thing for me is that health is wealth. I know that in order to enjoy the longevity of my money, my investment, um, I need to prioritize my health. Um, in order to enjoy travel the way that I want to, I need to prioritize my health. So for me, that is the center point of my vision board, health is wealth. Um, and then in the center there, I have generational wealth. And for that, that means me bringing in other black girls, um, black boys into my family that can just be free, that can be there themselves, that can express black boy joy, um, black girl sass, whatever you want to call it. I want them to be free. Um, and then I also want to be a real estate investor. I'm in the mortgage industry. That's my background. So I'm very passionate about that. I also want to travel more sustainably and financially responsible. Um, traveling makes you a global citizen. So I really want to make sure that even when I'm traveling, that I am mindful of my dollars, that I am making sure that I'm spending with the local communities of where I'm traveling to. Um, also with my business, I want to become financially independent. I want to be able to hire black women and for them to also, you know, be able to be work optional that I can provide enough for them through my business. Um, and then with travel, lavish travel for my family and friends. I was the first person in my family to get a passport. Um, none of my friends have ever went on an international trip with me, none of my family. So it's really important for me, for my family, to be able to experience what has changed my life so dramatically as well. And then being able to give back in a way that it gives me good energy by doing it. So that's my financial vision board. Absolutely love it. Okay, I guess uh, over to me, I guess. Um, okay, so for me, defining Black wealth, I'll start there. For me, Black wealth means the power of choice. Um, you know, and uh, for the longest time, we have been on a fight for equality. And Black wealth is our fight for equity. That's what it means to me. You know, um, when we talk about equity, it's our opportunity to be given a chance to be successful. That is Black wealth. So, and um, this is not something that we're leaving in someone else's hand, but this is something that we're regaining control over. And for me, that's financial uh, literacy. And uh, at Financially Savvy Girl, it's really for me about empowering others to understand that, to understand that they can to have the power of choice where they can decide, just like my sister said, uh, that they may want work optional or they may want retirement early or they may want both, or they may want none, but guess what? Just having that power of choice where you are given a fair chance to this, to this work and this beauty of equity that we've never been given a chance to. So my financial vision board is what's up here. And you'll see that on the left, the first picture that you see, it's a cottage. I do believe that we too can have cottages and we too can have, you know, summer homes and, go somewhere, anywhere in the world that you can enjoy. So yes, there is a cottage on my vision board. My husband and I are real estate investor. We live a debt-free life. And um, I want to have a cottage. And I want to make sure that, you know, somebody else 
and it's a year long and other people are renting it and it's another source of income as well. So you'll see the second picture that you have there is, uh, you know, uh, multifamily units, their buildings, I believe in multifamily unit because uh, the beauty of, of those is, you know, when you get a house only or you know it's only one door in a multifamily unit you have multiple doors so that means you know even if you have one um first one vacancy or you know you're not depending on having to pay uh that mortgage on yourself if let's say there's something wrong with your tenant but you have nine other doors that are paying for that mortgage and then some and then some rental income and then some passive income and then some so I'm a big believer in multifamily units, so that's why you have it there. And you have a times 10 because uh, I live with the philosophy that we have two hands. One is to help yourself and the other is to help others. So, um, you know, my financial, my black wealth vision isn't just for myself or just for my family. It's for my whole community. It's for uh, everyone so the more that comes in, the more that I can employ people, the more that, you know, we can create businesses, the more that we can make sure that that dollar circulates in the black community longer than it has been in the past. So there is multiple uh, opportunity there. You see that there's a picture for, um, um, you know, savings, I believe in savings and living below, not within, but below your means, uh, regardless of what you know, you can afford doesn't mean that you should uh, be spending that. Um, I believe as well in being a kingdom financier. I do believe in the power of giving uh, before even asking that you receive. So I believe in releasing money from my hand. So, um, you know, helping, um, you know, churches out there, helping the community feed homeless people, feed, you know, just a lot of people like, and having more of a focus on, uh, you know, our causes as, um, you know, the black community, the black millennial needs help with grants and bursaries. They too, you know, can have a, um, uh, you know, can experience their passion and dream with high education without having a debt sentence attached to it. So let's do better. You know, we've been through it, we struggled and they shouldn't have to struggle. So let's create those grants, let's create those scholarship and let's create those bursaries. So that's why the community building is there as well. Generational wealth, I have family there because I believe that our, our children should be standing on our shoulders. And, you know, we're given an opportunity with the knowledge uh, that we have and the intentional life that we're living to allow our children to have what we didn't have. So they're standing on our shoulder and having a better chance at equity and then their job will be to continue on because uh, the, the beauty of this is, you know, this generational wealth that we're creating is not just for our children, it's for generation to generation. So let's keep it. And I'm a, you know, child of the motherland of Africa. So in all this real estate investment portfolio, while there'll be investments all over the world, we got to go back and make sure that we build our land. So this is my vision board and uh, that's what you see there. Absolutely love it, ladies. So I think, you know, we're almost towards the end, but we can't really just leave talking about vision board without, and financial vision board and wealth, you know, black wealth without really talking about the current reality, which is, you know, when we closely examine wealth evidence, you know, it shows that there's a great racial disparity uh, to the detriment of black families. 
the net worth of a typical white family is nearly, you know, 10 times of that of a black family. You know, the wealth gap really shows that we are still living in a society where black equity and equal opportunity is still um, something that we need to work to push forward. So what are your thoughts, lady, about the significant racial wealth gap that currently exists? Kenya, why don't you start? Well, obviously it is um, unfortunate. Because uh, I mean, like I said, uh, you know, women are, especially black women are high achievers, uh, have a, a lot, most of the education in this country. However, as we know, we earn probably the least, I think Latin, Latin American women earn the absolute, no Native American women earn the absolute least, then it's Latin American, then it's black women, then it's white women, then it's black men and so on and so forth. And so Sanea said earlier about the intersectionality of it all. And it just seems as though like being black and being a woman, um, and then all, and then also Eliza was talking about with urban planning, we talked about the communities that have been created, not for our best interests at all. It's, it seems, it can seem daunting. It can seem overwhelming when we address the racial gap. But I feel, and like I said, I'm not a high earner. And so I think that personal finance is still a great way for us to not necessarily close the gap, but just to grow, to grow our net worth, to grow our wealth. Because like we said, no one's gonna give it at this point, no one's giving it to us. No one's saying, hey Kenya, I see that you know this country you know, does not love you, is not here for you. I'm going to give you a raise so that we can make it equitable for you. That's not happening anytime soon. Um, and so I have to do something about it. And that's, that means getting out of debt, growing my assets and being financially independent. Um, and so it just, it's, it's sad, but I'm, I, for me, I'm just like, okay, what can I do to kind of close the gap? And this is not to say like, pull yourselves up by your bootstraps thinking, no, I'm very much saying the system is not there to help us. No one's coming to save us and make it equitable because they don't care. They, why, why would they care to change a system that they benefit from? So true. Sinea, what do you think? Yeah, and I think, you know, as we, as we talk more generally and on, on macro level around like the clear need for a redistribution of wealth, um, I think that is like directly tied to what we will continue to see in this contemporary moment in terms of a, a growing racial wealth gap. Um, and I'm so glad, Kenya, that you brought in the fact that, yes, when you then add on other lived identities, right, beyond race, when we bring in gender identity, when you bring in a sexual orientation, when you bring in class, it's even a more disparaging picture. Uh, but but I'm, I'm really optimistic, right? Um, in this moment, I don't think I would have ever thought I would live to see a time where so many people are demanding that we rethink what policing means in our country, right? Like really starting to shift other, other institutions that have always been a part of our lived experience. I think that we can also demand the same when it comes to our elected officials in terms of passing laws and passing policies that will start to ensure that our communities, right, beyond just our individual efforts, can be uplifted. So um, that's something I'm really passionate about, learning more about um, using finance as a platform to interrogate and bring attention to, right? Um, I'm a big believer that economic justice is racial justice. So at, in this moment, when we're also thinking about how all Black Lives Matter. We need to also think about the ways that we can more succinctly craft, um, ask around how we can um, Further financial empowerment, and I know Gianni, my girl, 
uh, First Gen Money Musings was on the line. Um, she talks a lot about this on her profile as well. So I'm also really encouraged by the other Black women that I see asking these questions and, and getting us to interrogate uh, the forms of power that are also keeping this racial gap alive and well. So if you are interested in that, I encourage you to follow me and, and other women who are talking about this. And let's start a movement to, like Kenya said, that's beyond just personal finance, that is really starting to interrogate and shift the systems of power that have kept this racial wealth gap alive and well. So I'm passing it over to Jataria. Um, okay, I'm going to go ahead and uh, start and then we'll switch over and Jataria can go next. Um, but I think it's really important to talk about the wealth gap specifically to Black women. Um, I will once again bring up a career um, moment for me where I have someone in my field who went to my university, which is very uncommon. You don't ever usually wind up working with people that went to the same school as you um, and was making substantially more than I was for the same job. Um, so in terms of, I think, the wealth gap one, the big part of it is acknowledging and then like really peeling it back. So what does that mean? Because we can talk about it. Wealth gap, we can talk about, oh, there's disparities, but what's the number? <laughs> so getting to that number so we can then slice that, it, like slice it, get it rid of it, burn it, whatever we have to do with it. Um, so I think it's really important to highlight it. I am also very optimistic though, because it's really, I, I have a very, um, I, I guess like a very kindergarten view of the world that once someone sees something bad, they just can't let it happen. Um, and I think that's the way with um, the personal finance community and then with this wealth gap. I will say I am very, um, I'm instilled uh, in gaining more confidence and seeing the response. I think someone called out Black Travel Alliance earlier, but seeing the, from, I think it might be Yusinia, seeing the response of people forcing companies to pull up and show what they're like, not only who they're hiring, I like. I think it's great they're showing who they're hiring, but what are you paying them? Um, so I am very instilled with um, confidence in the movement going forward, because now that you've, since you've already given us this little bit of information willingly, let's see those salaries. Um, let's see what you're paying those black women, those black employees on your staff. Is it what they're actually worth? And what are they getting paid compared to the people that are working alongside of them? Um, and then I will also highlight with entrepreneurs, it's knowing also your worth as well. I have a lot of friends who are entrepreneurs and during this time, everyone wants to buy black. And um, there's a meme, a popular social media meme that you negotiate as if you're a white kid that just graduated from college with his dad funding his lifestyle. You negotiate the exact same way. So that's my thought on this wealth gap. I'm optimistic um, based upon the transparency that we're seeing, but I still wanna see those numbers and I'm, I can hold out for them. I have time. Come on now, <laughs> say it. <laughs> <laughs> she said what she said. <laughs> Deteria, you here? Okay. Yeah, I yes, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I think that economic empowerment is super important right now to change the policies and politics, really because we we know how important it is to vote. We know how you know important it is to um take a stance when it comes to your community. But if people cannot, if people are worrying about what they're gonna eat day to day, or if people are stuck in a place where transportation is not provided for them to be able to get to a decent paying job, then they can't even focus on voting or politics or the community. They're so focused on their self. So I think it's important to make sure that we have financial education out there, that it is economic empowerment, because when you 
are, are stuck in a place where you don't know what you're going to eat. You're stuck in a job that, you know, you're overworked and undervalued, underpaid. You can't even focus on the bigger picture to get you out of it because you're right. just living in your day-to-day life. So I think right now is really the time for us to lean into all Black people. Lean into every single black person that is out there because we're all in different stages. So we need to take a look at that and realize if a person's basic needs aren't met, they can't go out here and fight for anyone. Somebody needs to come back and fight for them. So then we can truly build that community that we're looking for and that we need for change. Awesome. Absolutely love it. So it's on me. So it definitely tells us, this wealth gap definitely tells us that we have so much work to do. Um, In regards to, I have an HR background, so I try to advocate as I see different um, discrepancies with salaries and things like that, just speaking up. I personally have experienced a point in time where I felt undervalued and I was underpaid for my role and my responsibilities. So it really took a lot of courage to actually go ahead and bring it up to my boss to speak it up. But it's very important to um, definitely speak up and really demand, you know, equality in that regard and being able to demand everything regarding, um, you know, closing this wealth gap, so to speak. And when it comes down to politicians, politics, really just demanding our local um, politicians, okay, what are you going to do to address this issue at hand? So it goes, uh, it it can get very deep, but I also want to encourage and also state it's very important to continue to share. Um, When I, when I mentioned about my own personal situation regarding um, asking for a greater salary, whatever the case is, it, that came, that courage came from learning from another individual that is in the same professional space and at the same professional um, level as I was at the point in time. So really just being transparent about these conversations is very important to really um, just bring it at the forefront and question it for sure. Um, This conversation, you know, when it comes to even asking for pay raise and whatnot, like I really do believe that you know, if you're gainfully employed, you need to keep um, like a, a book of the things that you do for the company, the value that you bring. This is something that I'm always telling everyone that I coach. Listen, you do not just become intentional about your pay raise on your evaluation day. Nah, nah, nah. The work starts way before. So you are keeping track. You're coming into that meeting, that meeting you're coming there, it's negotiation meeting, and you're there to sell yourself. I call it your Miss America. Like you come there prepared. There's not gonna be anyone who's gonna say you didn't do something because you're prepared. You have in your evaluation, you know, this is the value that I brought. This is how I, I was play, a, a team player, and this is what I did on. And I remember there was this situation, and this is how I solved it. You, you come there bulletproof ready because you are determined to have. Um, your pay raise. So, you know, do the work and also record the work like that. When that meeting comes, you are prepared to make demands for your, your pay raise. So this is really important. Like, and I agree with you, Britt, we got to share, we got to share some of that information. So if you have someone else who's coming to ask you, you know, how much do you make? 
I get it. Sometimes you're like, oh, I don't want to be that person. And, you know, and especially if you know that you make more, hey, you know, it doesn't hurt to just tell another sister, be like, you know what? Your value is more than what you're getting right now. I'm just saying your value is more. So you may want to just look and become intentional about that and start looking more into that. Somebody helped you by giving you that information. So you know, create a tunnel and help someone else. Absolutely love it. So ladies, we have to wrap up, but one last question for all of us, you know, why is economic empowerment needed to bridge this gap and also see the changes in policy and politics to better the life of the black community? You know, I really believe that systemic racism occurs when institution and systems create and maintain, you know, racial in- inequity you know, and often as a result of hidden institutional bias and policies and politics, you know, practices that privilege some group over the others. And oftentimes we are the other, you know, Black America presents, as we said before, like a a really consuming power. You know, we, uh, Black America present 14% in the U.S. where you all are 14% of the population yet account for $1.2 trillion in consumption spending. Like, let me say that again, 14% yet $1.2 trillion in consumption spending. You know, so it's time to get organized and utilize our bargaining power, economic empowerment for our advancement and change. You know, we want to, to be in the center of that equation to fight against the anti-Black racism. So why is economic empowerment needed? And as we are approaching, let me push it a bit further. As we are approaching, you know, there's uh, Black Friday coming. Uh, but before that, we're all doing something prior to Black Friday so that we can do something that we would normally not do on Black Friday. And how do you think that will impact? And I'll just let you guys kind of speak on that a little bit. I think Lisa, yeah, Lisa, you can start. Um, So I will start by saying before, the reason why I'm so tan today is I started my day out today by going to the Black Farmers Market here in Durham and patroning almost six different Black businesses. Um, Here in Durham, we also have a Black black Market on Black Friday with nothing but Black vendors. I think economic empowerment is so important because it gets back to getting us our independence. Um, I think that giving someone... I'm really big into food, which is why I want to have the farm. Um, <laughs> but, um, so uh, to give an analogy with food, if you have a child that has a horrible breakfast or doesn't even have breakfast, you're going to see those behaviors affect how they go about their day. The same thing with us, because we don't know wealth and we've never had wealth, um, and we are now in the position where we're having to pay, like catch up several steps behind, you see that in the behaviors that we act with today. So I think economic empowerment, giving back to our communities, investing into our communities is incredibly important. And I think it's worthwhile because we're going to see a behavioral shift within black people. Um, We're going to see a behavioral shift in how we move with our money. And we do have that buying power. Um, So I do think that economic empowerment, empowering, whether it's someone that has a business, empowering someone else by giving them tips, as Britt was saying, with um, how to get ahead of their job and make more, make what they're worth um, and what they're valued at and even more. I think all of that goes into this larger spectrum of economic empowerment to a point where black people are going to pull up wealthy and bougie, um, as Sunia was saying, wealthy and bougie. Um, you can sit with us because we can sit with y'all and we don't want y'all to sit with us. Um, so I think economic empowerment is very important for that reason. And I'm going to pass it along um, to, sorry, everybody, I had it written down. If you know your name, go ahead and join on in. <laughs> um, 
I, so it's kind of similar to what you were saying, Liza. Like, I really honestly think it's a mindset shift. I like, I just want like every black person just to follow all the black personal finance, you know, platforms and brands, because I need, I need us to start looking past tomorrow or looking past even end of the month when all the bills are due. And that's going to take a lot. That's going to take the collective, collective action that Jeteria was talking about of making sure that everyone is um, cared for because like I said before like no one no white person is doing it for us the systems are not doing it for us and so if we could be a community where I can bring up my black brother and sister financially for what they need right now so that they have the means and the time and energy to start thinking beyond like start thinking long term so I, I like I just I envision or I hope that it's e with what's going on right now that it's a complete mindset shift between racism police brutality our jobs because COVID-19 is showing us all that a lot of this mess we've this 40 hours a week no benefits you're not a, an essential worker an unskilled worker is false it's a very much false narrative and I think when we start caring for one another and owning our power and thinking towards our children and our children's children, all of us collectively, then we can have some really full-blown economic empowerment. So now I'm just like, all oh, the black people, let's like join, join hands. I don't know who sang that song. Everybody join hands. Um, but yeah, that's, that's how I'm feeling about the economic empowerment piece. And it's, it's crucial. We cannot have true freedom and liberation unless we bring our dollars with us. Period. I think it's, I'm sorry. I don't usually do that, but I, I don't know. It's after me, um, I think. Oh, I'm passing it to Brit. But yeah. Yeah. So yes. So Kenya said a mouthful. All you ladies said a mouthful so far. So it is so necessary in regards to economic empowerment and being able to really just um, continue to share as much as possible continue to really just um you know feel empowered definitely you know support black businesses i have developed a whole mindset shift where i'm rooting for everybody's black and this started before this time frame in the last few weeks or so to speak because i just want to see my people win on all levels as possible um but really just being conscious i know i have to do some work myself Whenever I go ahead and I'm on the planning side of making a purchase, I'm already thinking about how can I access a directory to make sure I'm purchasing from a black business. So everything in my life is going to be, how could I support black businesses in itself? So it's really about really supporting one another, continue to share as much information as possible, help each other out and really being a, a being unified and um, about the unity regarding being able to really just stick together overall. And I am passing it to Jeteria. Yes, I definitely agree with Kenya. Um, it does start with the mindset and in order to build wealth, you have to have a wealthy mindset first and let go of that scarcity and lack mentality um so really having an abundance mindset is so important if we want to see change so i think it is important to go and follow um the personal finance accounts that are out there the black personal finance accounts that are out there to seek information and education because nobody is going to save us and when i say us i mean black people no one is going to save us it is on us so we really have to dig deeper once you graduate from school 
you're still a student. Education continues. You can self-teach yourself. You can go out and get help. So I think it's important that we keep in mind that we are still students and we need to continue to learn about you know, economic justice and financial education and our mind because that's the most powerful thing that we have is our mindset. Yes, and I will just close out by giving everyone an action item. I set a goal for myself this year to read 10 personal finance books. I was overwhelmed by so many people from the finance community who were like, I want to read with you, right? So uh, this month was the first month that I co-hosted a monthly book club with um, one of my sisters in personal finance, Cheyenne of Money and Melanin. This month we read The Simple Path to Wealth by J.L. Collins. If you are a fire enthusiast or see yourself in the fire I'm uh, community, I'm sure you have heard of this book or want to read it. Um, so it really starts with like, how can we join in our communities and learn together? So if you are on this call and you are part of my book club, I will see you tonight as we uh, finish this full book discussion. I'm really excited to talk more about what we read this month. And if you're not part of this community, please reach out to me. I will have a link in my bio right after this call for the July um, book. We're going to actually be reading more about real estate investing. Thanks to uh, Gianni, who gave me an amazing recommendation of a book written by a black woman who has made, who has built an empire um, by buying low properties in working class neighborhoods of communities where that where people look like us um, to create passive income. So again, I want to echo all the things that my panelists have said, but I want to give you an action step. If you want to learn more besides just following us on our platforms, reaching out to those of us who are money coaches. You can also join this community where we are learning and, and really taking that knowledge that has historically been excluded and kept from us and taking that back and bringing it into our wealth building journey. So anyone who's interested, please feel to reach out to me on Instagram at fly.nance. Absolutely. Love it. Thank you so much, lady. And I'm also starting a group coaching as of July. So if you're interested in that, you know, this is a circle of like-minded, just like you saw here, you know, where everyone is intentional and open to share their journey and encourage and be accountable uh, to one another. So please reach out as well uh, at financially underscore savvy girl on Instagram, if you're interested. And I'm going to give an opportunity to uh, the other four ladies to sort of just say what they have on the go as well, uh, that someone can reach out and if they're interested in that. We'll start with you, uh, Kenya. Okay, um, so just like a key, and y'all are the first to know, I haven't even told my email this, this yet, but I am also starting group coaching starting on July 27th. I'm doing early bird pricing until July 6th. And so I know a lot of you are already in the personal finance community, but if you have a friend or a family member who just does not want to listen to you when you're talking about money, they just will not take your advice, although you know exactly what you're talking about, um, send them my way. I think, I mean, if y'all already don't know, um, I'm, I'm very much around the mindset and the spiritualness when it comes to finances. And so I delve into um, not only the actionable, like personal finance steps, budgeting, saving credit, but we also go deep into the mindset, into the trauma, all that stuff. Um, so I'm really excited to announce that tomorrow. So please don't tell nobody. Um, and yeah, I'm just, I, I really love being in community with everybody who is black in the personal finance. Um, so yeah, doing group coaching. I also have one-on-one -on -one coaching that is going on now and I'll be opening more spots in September. 
Um, so yeah, I'm just really glad to be with you. I'm also reading. Okay. So yes, I am. Um, I have some one-on-one coaching available and I am working on a group coaching program very soon. I'm aiming for early August, so to speak. So please be on the lookout for that. And again, with all of you ladies, I am assuming that you are doing well on your financial journey. So if you know anyone, family members, whatever the case is, even if you want to shoot me a uh, question to get some insight, I am here for that. Also, Jeteria and I, we have a Instagram live plan next week, July 8th, in regards to aspiring homeowners. So we are going to do a deep, deep dive into a awesome first-time homebuyer program, NACA, which is excellent. I went through the process and I purchased my home through that program. And Jeteria actually worked for NACA in the past. So we are a dual powerhouse bringing you guys information regarding that. And I'm looking forward to connecting with all you guys um, in some shape, some form, and just staying connected. Thank you. <laughs> hey, everybody. Um, so I don't really have anything specific that I'm offering besides my story. Um, I am leaving in about uh, less than four months now, I think three months and 20-ish days. Um, and I'll be starting in Southeast Asia and Nepal. So I am over the next couple of weeks going to be walking you through what that looks like. Um, so you have researched everything, you've decided to pay off your debt, or maybe you're keeping a little bit of debt, but you have gotten your finances in order. Um, what does that look like to say, screw this job, and I deserve a vacation? Um, so I will be doing that on my profile um, at Debt Free to Travel. I do think I have a couple of different lives where I'll be features, featuring um, on some lives coming up soon, but I'll be posting those there. But a majority of my account now is really gonna be focusing on Getting ready for this trip, you all. I'm super stoked to go. It's really nerve-wracking, but um, I do think it's so important to share, as we will be talking about a lot, because by sharing, we show that it's possible. So uh, tune in at Debt Free to Travel if you want to know about how I am planning for this year abroad. Absolutely love it. And you have to make sure while you're actually backpacking or however you're doing it, that you're sharing some of that experience with us as well while oh, you're, yeah. you're out there. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> So thank you so much, lady. Uh, really, really appreciate it. From Kenya, from Sinea, from Soteria, from uh, Lisa, from Britt, you know, from myself. We just want to thank everyone who tuned in. And I just want to echo and say something. If you are an ally, if you're not, you know, someone who identifies a black person and you're on this call and you're like, oh, so I don't really see my place or what do I do, you know, in this entire uh, Black Wealth Matter movement and how can I assist? I just want to tell you that you do have a role and a, and a play as well in this. You know, when it comes to equity, it's not just, you know, the Black community uh, that can achieve that uh, for the Black community. So go out there and support a Black business as well. You know, you if you are an influencer, or a blogger and whatnot, why don't you also, you know, make sure to follow black businesses that you love and, and be, don't be afraid to approach, you know, I've, I've had recently, a lot of people sort of approached me and me approaching them and be like, Hey, and they're like, Oh my God, I've been wanting to approach you. Don't be afraid to approach a black business that you, you know, you like, or you, you, uh, that you want to share and make sure to, to tag them in your stories and whatnot. There's room for all of us to really support and be on this journey to make sure that equity 
is actually a term that can be used for all people. And at this moment, we're talking about the Black community. So let's strive towards reaching that equity for the Black community. And that is why today we spent this time talking about Black Wealth Matter. Thank you, ladies. I love you guys and appreciate you guys. And I'm so happy to be on this journey with you guys. Cheers. Thank you. This was great. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Take hold of your freedom. Take hold of your future with the financial savvy girl.